With the remainder of our time, we'll be in Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, theoretically. There we are. He says, Paul says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I tell you this, that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present for you in, with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. So then, just as you receive Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And see that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and on the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Lord God, we ask this morning as we seek to go before you in your word, that you would take out what you would have for your people to feed your sheep and to tend your lambs, their souls, Lord, and that you would pierce whatever circumstance they're in, that you would comfort them. Lord, you'd bring this, this, this encouragement that Paul's speaking of. You'd bring this comfort. You'd unify us in the faith, Lord, that our knowledge of you would be complete, be full. We would know you so deeply, Lord, that, that you're, you would be our life. And so we're asking this now, not as a work of the flesh, Lord, but by a work of your spirit within our hearts, the hearts of your kids. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Last week, we're looking at Paul's goals, and he just says, this is my goal for you. And he lays out those four goals. He says, this is, my, this is what I want. I've never met you. I don't know you, but I'm hearing people coming back to me and telling me what's going on around you, and I just want, to, I want four things to happen for you. And he lays them out there in verse 2. He says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in their hearts and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, and fourthly, in order that they may know the mystery, namely in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures and wisdom. And we got halfway through the, those four areas of edification that Paul desires for the church. You are the church. The church is not a building, it's a people. Amen? Amen. It's the gathering, that's you. And so the first thing that Paul says, I want you to be encouraged in heart. And this means for Paul to come alongside and to comfort and to urge us on in the Lord. How many of us need people to come alongside of us and urge us and, and, and also to, to maybe prod us sometimes, but also comfort us and kind of coach us, spur us on in the Lord? How many of us are complacent? And how many of us would, would prefer that would happen in love? Amen. I want, I want to love. I don't want someone just to tell me that we're taking my nose and rub it in it and walk away. I want them to walk alongside me, encourage me. And, and I know that the body of Christ, we can have sin sniffers about, and I can be one of them sometimes. But, 
I just want to come by people and encourage them and spur them on. And there's a really, a, there's an authority that we have as Christians in each other's lives that when we see us being complacent, a part of the body of Christ deciding not to work today, and we're just kind of like going, what are we, we're trying to accomplish this task and our arms are flopping around. Hey, what's going on in your life? I want to encourage you and exhort you. I want to comfort you. What's going on? Are you hurting? Is something going on? Are you, are you alone? Has the enemy got you? Or what do you need? And come alongside. Many of you have the gift of encouragement with the body. And I want you to know that you are authorized by the Lord Jesus Christ to encourage the body of Christ. That is your gift within the body. Go encourage people. Exhort them. Comfort them. Build them up. Amen? We need that. It's, and secondly... I would, uh, well, firstly, I think if we want to be encouraged, many of us, what, we become discouraged. And that's really a tactic of the enemy. And I'm not going to go into great depth over that because I did last week. But it's easy to become discouraged when our eyes are on circumstances. Is life tough? Is following Jesus hard sometimes? Does he ask us to do things that require faith and denying self? And how much more easier it is just to check out and say, I'm just going to do it my way. Anyone? And then we lack power, and then we're in this religious system, and then it's just death. Blah. God doesn't want that. He wants you to be encouraged in Him. And so Paul knew that they were struggling, even though they had never met. He loved them. And he's writing to them and continuing them in prayer so that they would be built up. You know, one of the, if you're struggling with uh, discouragement this morning, one of the antidotes for discouragement is to get your eyes on Jesus, is to start worshiping Him. And to start seeking him and praying, but also to get your eyes on someone else's need. Practically, look at someone else who's hurting and start helping them out. Amen? And many of you find that that's true. And let me tell you, when we have a fellowship of believers that has their eyes on Jesus, even when it's tough, and we are determined to to live out our faith by loving one another, encouraging one another... That is a great testimony and a witness to the world around us. And secondly, Paul's goal was that they would have unity in love. Unity in love. If, if God's goal is for unity in love, what do you think Satan's uh, plan for us is? Division, backbiting, snarling, hate, kind of undermining each other, that kind of stuff. And let me tell you, we, we do not want to be known as the reality TV church. Amen? We want to be known as the opposite of that. A, a, a church that actually lives sacrificially and for the betterment of another. We're not constantly undermining and talking behind each other. But we're, when we hear that kind of stuff, we cut that off. We say, no, no, no. No, we're going to go help that person. We're going to rally around them and build them up. Amen? United in love. So the purpose of our faith is not just to have a bunch of head knowledge, but it's so that we actually do something about it, that we live like Jesus Christ towards one another. How many of you guys need an army of people who love you? I need it. Yeah, that's what the church is supposed to be, a, a family of believers who, yes, will speak truth, but they're also going to live out truth around you and, and build you up and encourage you. And, and I need that daily. And so the Colossians, they had some serious uh, situations going on, and they really needed to be united in love. And if I think of the greatest picture of God's unity in love, it, 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 being united in love, it was demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Jesus showed us what it is to love God's way, a love that's sacrificial and shows itself through good works towards each other for the benefit of the other person. That's God's love. That's not the world's love. But God's love was demonstrated in Jesus and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Don't you love that? That while we were punks, 
God came after us and loved us anyways. I like that. I love that. Romans 5.8. But thirdly, the third point real quickly, I'm just skipping through those, and this is kind of where we're picking up, is Paul desired that they would have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of, of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden, in Christ are hidden all these treasures and knowledge. And so Paul desired that the church would know Jesus Christ fully. And I would say... Um, this is one of the areas that we truly struggle with in, in, in church, is that we know about God, but we don't know God himself. We know the God uh, of what he does and what we're supposed to do, kind of the peripheral, but we don't, we don't really dive into the personal relationship. We go to church because we should, not because we love him. You know what I'm saying? Does anybody else struggle with that, or is it just me? Just me, okay. But truly... When you love someone, when you know someone, you know what they like, what they don't like, what pleases them, what doesn't please them, um, what blesses their heart. And the way we show love is by doing those things that, are, that, that would cause them to have joy. And knowing Jesus and being around Jesus, knowing his word and letting his word dwell within us so richly to where it changes our lives, to where our motives and how we live and how we act and what we do, that's really what it is to know the Lord. It's not just memorizing a bunch of passages for knowledge's sake, but it's really knowing Him, and that's what Paul, Paul desired, that they would fully know Christ. You see, the goal of our faith, I said it earlier, but it's, it's not head knowledge. It's not head knowledge, but an intimate knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ. And as we know Him, we become like Him. And as we hear His voice, we follow in his footsteps, and we have life because he's our, he's our life. And you see, there are a lot of other voices speaking to them, to that church. The Colossians, they had teachers coming at them with the goal of them being attaining wisdom and knowledge. That was, their, that was the big catch, and it's really catchy in their culture because wisdom and knowledge was really valued in their, in their culture. And it was really about that they, they were to ascertain wisdom. So it would be great if someone knew a lot and they talked and they pontificated and they knew all these things and everybody rally around them and go, oh man, isn't that person brilliant? And they would want to know, that's why they had the philosophers and all these types of things going on, that everybody was seeking uh, the love of knowledge, the love of wisdom, the Sophia of the day, of philosophy. They were going after these things. And, 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 and Paul's saying, listen... That's not the goal of our faith. Our, our goal of our faith isn't just knowledge in itself. It's to know Jesus Christ in whom is all the knowledge and wisdom. It's a person. The goal of our faith is a person. It's not a position. And that's important to know. He says, they, keep, they kept coming to these Corinthians and saying, no, 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 no. It's too, uh, Colossians, and they said, no, it's too simple. You can't just believe in them. You have to jump through all these hoops. You have to take these classes and know all these things in order to attain this spiritual enlightenment. And Paul says, no way. All the things that we need are through knowing Jesus Christ. And let me say that each of you has access to the Father in Jesus Christ. You don't go through me. You don't go through a priest. 
Now, God has placed me here to be a part of edification, building up, but you have access. You don't have to go through some secret channel to get something. You go straight to Him. You bust open your word. You have the Spirit of Christ in you. You start reading, and He starts speaking, and you start changing. It's amazing. As you, as you feast your eyes on Jesus. I'm not dismissing the need for us to get together or to be taught. But in no way is it some kind of hierarchy or pyramid scheme. We go straight to the Father. And the Father desires that you have that full understanding of the Lord and His ways. God wants our minds to be fixed on Him in such a way that all our decisions are based upon what pleases Him. You know that? That's what our church's vision is, to glorify God, to make Him happy in everything we do. And that mainly is expressed in Scripture by loving and obeying Jesus Christ. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The question is, do we hunger and thirst for Jesus? Do we, you know, do we seek fully to know and understand Jesus in his ways? So knowing Jesus is it is it your greatest desire. And I would say a lot of the time, man, I struggle with that. It's a lot of things that pop in there. So but isn't it? Jesus, John 17, 3 says, No, now this is eternal life, that they know you. The one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To know God, to know Jesus, is to have eternal life. Now, again, if God's aim is for you to have a full understanding of Jesus Christ, to have an understanding of Jesus Christ, what do you think the enemy's tactic will be regarding that understanding of Jesus? What do you think his his aim is? Yeah, regarding that full riches of understanding. He wants you to do two things that I thought of. And I really see it. He wants you to he wants to either keep you uninformed or misinformed. Those two things, uninformed or misinformed. So one of the ways he works to keep us uninformed concern one of the ways is to keep us uninformed concerning Jesus. How many feel like you're uninformed concerning Jesus? It's okay. You know, he wants to do everything to keep you from cracking open that Bible. Have you ever figured it's real hard to open up that Bible sometimes? You open it up and it's like, oh. Anyone? And then you just go, and then you start sneezing because of all the dust. And you go, oh, better leave that alone. I have allergies, you know. Better not step around that thing. You know, we'll just quarantine it. Let's put it outside. You know, I mean, the enemy just is working overtime on us, right? Doesn't even get us to crack open the word. And oh, then, you ever notice that sometimes, you know, going to church can be a little difficult? Everything else is so much funner sometimes. Anyone else? So much fun. I've got so much stuff to do. I'm so busy. How many of you have ever run out of stuff to do? <laughs> Will that ever end? I, oh, yeah, Judah raised his hand. Amen. When you're little, you can run out of stuff to do. <laughs> so, awesome. From being in a Bible study. From getting around people who know and follow Jesus. You know, I've found that he likes to keep you smart about everything but Jesus and the things that Jesus teaches us. We have, a, we have an amazing generation that is full of knowledge, but lacks depth and wisdom, and I'm part of it. Amen? 
You ever notice that? We know a lot about a lot, but we're not a very deep culture in many ways. Let me give you an example. And I'm, I don't say this to um, discourage you. I, I really want to, I want to, my heart is to encourage you in the, in the side that this is, I want us to wake up to what the enemy's doing. And I also want um, you to be encouraged. In other words, there's to be change. And also just to, um, it's not about knowledge. But let me tell you, understanding about Jesus kind of has knowledge with it. Amen. So it says, so let me just give you some things. These are things I just wrote down real quickly. What is the gospel? Can you articulate what the gospel is? Why is Jesus the only way? What does being saved mean? From what are we being saved? What saves a person? Why is a man lost? Why is a woman lost? What is acceptable worship to God? What is acceptable worship to God? What's prayer? What's the purpose of prayer? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What is the fruit of the Spirit? What does, here we go, salvation, justification, sanctification, glorification, what do those words mean? What do the Christianese words mean? What is the day of the Lord? What is the resurrection? Who is resurrected? What is the judgment? Who is judged? For what and where? Tell me about hell. Tell me about heaven. What is grace? What is mercy? What is the difference between grace and mercy? Explain what it means to be born again. What is the spiritual condition of a man apart from Christ? What is death? Why do we die? What is the old nature? What is life by the Spirit? Now, if you're brand new in the Lord, you should be able to answer maybe one of those. If one, you know, just, I just know I got lost and God found me. Amen. Amen. So don't, don't feel bad. But if you're walking in the Lord, maybe a couple years, five years, some of these things should start clicking. You see where the exhortation part was coming? You've been walking in the Lord for a little bit. Now here's that exhortation part. The writer in Hebrews in chapter 5 is explaining about Melchizedek. You're going, if you're instantly going, I don't care about Melchizedek, then you're uninformed. Melchizedek is being a type of Christ, and he's explaining, he's going into an amazing teaching, and I really wanted him to finish his sentence. And he stops, I believe it's Paul, but the writer of Hebrews stops in chapter 5, verse 11 through 12. He says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. I want to teach you about the things of the Lord, but you don't even try to understand. And that's one of the, the prayers that we have in our early morning prayer. God, forgive us of apathy. Forgive us of not even wanting to try anymore. You know, I, I, do you find that spirit just kind of within your own heart, within the culture sometimes? I'm just speaking honestly. I just kind of... In fact, he says, though this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Why would Paul say that? Or why would that writer say that to that group of believers? Because he wanted to rub their nose in it? What was he doing? He's saying your babies. I'm not saying your babies, but I'm just saying, he's saying your babies, right? Why would he tell them they're babies? 
wants them to grow up, to grow in the Lord, right? Reason is because the group was uninformed. And, and you see, there's still babies in the Lord, and Paul says we need to do the ABCs again. Which is okay if you're young in the Lord. That's what is needed, right? We don't mock babies for needing milk, do we? We're crying out loud, we're not throwing a steak on the floor to have fun. Well, some of us do, but... I was thinking of you, Anna. You're like, oh, come on, do it. Girl, you're getting them growing right away, right? But it's really sad to see an adult content playing with what is meant for a baby. It's sad to see an adult content playing for what is, what is meant for a baby. Isn't that true? They stay uninformed. They're ignorant of the things of the Spirit, spiritually. Now, as I rattled off that list, you might have felt conviction. Good. Now's the time to grow and to change. The Lord doesn't want you to keep you uninformed. I think especially for us guys, we are so hard to get through because I just feel like we got to know things and we're macho, you know? It's okay not to be macho. It's okay not to know things. It actually, God, Jesus said, you got to be humble. You want to have what I have, you got to be like a little child and just say, I don't know. I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years and I just don't have a clue. I'm really good at being a Christian, but God, I'm, I'm a spiritual baby. And so will you just grow me up? There's grace there. There's grace there, amen? I just... I feel like I should be way further than I am. I've been playing guitar for since eighth grade. And I'm kind of like going over the same riffs and stuff. And I'm going, I should be like seven times better than I am. <laughs> really, honestly, I should. But I just kind of got complacent. I didn't practice. I kind of just got into a, a funk. And I didn't grow. You know, like I should have. And you're going, man, well, at least you're playing guitar. And I'm going, well, that's not what the Lord gave me. He gave me the ability to play guitar, and I'm only playing guitar a quarter of what he's given me. You know what I mean? I'm not accountable. To, we're not we're accountable to what the Lord has given us. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. If you heard that list rattled off of just some things, it's not about the knowledge, but it's about knowing him. And as you seek him, you find these things out about him. You see, in him are all the knowledge and the treasure and the riches. As you seek the person, all the things become unveiled. We're not seeking theology. We're seeking a person. We're seeking Him, and as we go, He starts to show us great things about Him because, guess what? I really want to know what makes Christine's heart happy. And as I seek to know the person, then I find out what her likes and dislikes are and all the little, the little things that branch off from there. And let me tell you, it's, it's a complicated web. Amen, guys? But Jesus is, is, is like that. He's glorious. And as you begin to seek him, he starts to show you things about heaven and hell and life and death and darkness and light and, and what is justification, sanctification, glorification. Not so we know these words and we can spout them off, but they have true depth behind them. They're really important things. I think that's important. But see, the enemy desires to keep you ineffective for the kingdom. He, keeps, he wants you to play with the ABCs forever, right? If he can't keep you from coming to Jesus, he wants you to keep you from living for Jesus and growing in Jesus. The purpose of a seed is to go down and die and then come up and produce what? Fruit. What happens when something doesn't produce fruit? 
What does Jesus say about that? Those are scary words. Cut off. But those that do produce fruit, even a little bit, the Lord says he prunes them. You see, the enemy wants to keep you ineffective for the kingdom. If he can't keep you from coming to Jesus, he's going to keep you from living for him. He wants you to be in spiritual diapers. You know, babies do nothing uh, of substance for a household. Correct? <laughs> I mean, they're awesome. and, and they, I'm not talking about we don't love and encourage. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. But they don't mow the lawn. They're not paying the bills. They're not cooking for you. They're takers. They are takers. That's what immature people do. They take, right? What do mature people do? The give. For God so loved the world that he gave. He laid down what was good for him, for another. That's the definition of parent. Sacrifice. Amen? Not so that they have every toy in the world, but so they grow up and to be mature and strong. Healthy in all ways. The babies don't contribute to anything. It's the mature who love, who provide who hold, who nurture, who discipline, who direct, and all of that, right? And so Satan keeps you, desires to keep us uninformed so that we will not grow or overly informed about the wrong things. How many of us are overly informed about the wrong things? Anyone? Now, if I were to ask you about sports or politics or fashion or food or music or reality TV, how, how, would, you, how would your answers be? Who's on Dancing for the Stars? Is that even still going on? You know what I'm just saying? Oh, yeah, it's so-and-so, blah, 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 and there's this and that, blah, 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 blah. And you know all the little angles on that, you know? And there's nothing wrong with knowing a lot of that stuff. But, I mean, in place of knowing Christ, which is going to be forever and ever, which is more important, do you see how the enemy is subtle in things? And it's so much more... Yeah. But don't be discouraged. Just realize where we are and what the enemy's tactic is so that... That he's trying to keep you uninformed. So how do I get informed? Start looking at Jesus. And say, Lord, I need to grow up. What's the first thing you want me to do? And you crack open the word. And you start saying, let's just start here. Oh, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And you just start asking, what in the world does that mean? Lord, I guess I, I want to be blessed, so make me poor in spirit. And you start asking questions. Connect with mature believers. Start going to a Bible study. Arrange your life around the kingdom, and you're going to see fruit start to grow. Hopefully, devote time in the Word daily. Pray, serve others, look for needs, and meet them. God was going to guide you, and you'll grow. Now, if the enemy can't keep you uninformed, and this is the second thing we're going to do, is, is just he's going to keep you misinformed. He's going to try to make you misinformed. Now, immature people are usually uninformed, and that's, I've been there, and I am there in many, in many respects. You know, there's things that I'm blinded to. But the Lord would des desire us to be totally informed in Jesus, to know him. But guess what the enemy desires to do? If he can't keep you uninformed, he's going to get you misdirected, misinformed. He's going to send you down a rabbit trail. How many of you have been on spiritual rabbit trails that are no good for anything? We go researching weird stuff. And this is what the Colossians were facing. False teachers that came in were challenging the gospel, which is just Jesus died on the cross and rose again, and I believe that he took my place. And he rose again on the third day that I would have life with him as well. And they came in and started perverting that and said, no, 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 no. 
And so people were coming in. And they were doing that. They said, no, you can't just believe that. That's too simple. You have to be circumcised. Or in modern days, you got to speak in tongues or keep the Sabbath or not eat ham or be married to a, in the Mormon temple or go to church every single Sunday as a means of salvation, not as a means of because I love you and I want to respond to you in obedience. See what I'm saying? You see, false teachers, they always add or take away from the gospel message. And in their day, false teachers were also saying that the only way to be saved, as I already mentioned, was through knowledge. You had to have the secret knowledge. And by the way, I have the knowledge. And for 1995, I can give it to you. Come on up. And buy my awesome book at Walmart and all this stuff. And I'll teach you how to pray to angels and saints and things like that. But Paul says in verse 3 that those are lies. And that that uh, and those are lies and that is in Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and Paul says in verse 4 I tell you that this uh, so this that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments fine sounding arguments this is another tactic of the enemy fine sounding arguments with the remaining 7 minutes let's just talk about fine sounding arguments the enemy doesn't deceive you with stupid stuff you're pretty smart people He's got, you think he's been studying us for a little while? Think he knows human nature? You think he knows you? Or at least his demons do? They're going to appeal to your fallen nature. And let me tell you, as many as there are different people in the room, although we're all common and fallen to sin, let me tell you, sin has a bunch of different flavors. And we look at ourselves as self-justification saying, Oh, I'm not like that sinner. Thank you that I'm not like that sinner. Right? Real, especially with the crud going on in our culture. Oh, but we got a whole other thing going on in our life. And I'm not saying things aren't evil. But it's really easy to have that spiritual pride going on. But that's another tactic of, of Satan is to be de- them to deceive us and to deceive us with this deceitful, slick tongue. Really quickly, if you're taking notes, which is awesome, you have note paper, I would do this. How, how do I get deceived? Genesis chapter 3. In the beginning, God told Adam, I have put every tree in the garden for you to eat. How awesome. Look at this place I made for you. Look at all these trees. Look at all the different varieties of things you can do. All for you to enjoy and to have. Do we hear about that part? No, we don't. But he says, this one tree in the middle, I do not want you to eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam, Eve, I want you to live. And to live is to hear what I say and to do it. That's life. Life is, is, to, uh, uh, is the word. <laughs> It's to hear God and to, and to follow Him. And God desires that we would have life, an abundant life, as we build our lives upon what Jesus said. Isn't that clear enough? Do not eat this, you will die. I want you to live. Don't eat of the tree. I feel like I have this conversation often with my kids. <laughs> Don't do this, or you're going to die. No, I'm just kidding. I want you to live. And God, who desires Adam... For Adam to willfully love him, he gave Adam and Eve a choice. And that's what love is. Love is a choice. You can't have love without a choice. So Satan comes along and he deceives Eve with a fine-sounding argument. And here we are in the closing, Genesis 3-2. 
He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? Did God really say, is what he said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? If you're taking notes on how Satan deceives us, if you want to be informed, write something down. Let me put it that way. The first thing to note is that Satan begins by questioning God's word. That's the first thing he does. He questions God's word. Did God really say? It's no doubt we're in a society that questions, oh yeah, of course, Satan's ruling the society. You're going to question the Bible. Did God really say? And so that is so that we would doubt God. So the first thing Satan does is says, did we really say? Secondly, he twists God's word. Did God really say that you can't eat from any tree of the garden? Is that what God said? He said, eat every tree. Just don't eat that one. That's not what he said, right? So he twists what God said. First of all, he says, did he questions what God says, and then he twists what God says. And then verse, Genesis verse 3 says, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. I think Adam added in that little touch it part. Don't touch it. Just, you'll die. Verse 4, Satan says, You will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman, you will certainly not die. So thirdly, Satan contradicts God's word. He starts out with questioning it. He twists it. And then now he full on contradicts God's word. No, he won't. That's not what it means. That's not what it says. Verse five, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So fourthly, he replaces God's word with his own lie. Do You see how he does that? He replaces it. He questions it. He twists it. He contradicts it, and then he replaces it. That's kind of what he does. And it's so subtle. Now ready? And here's the fine-sounding argument. Here's the fine-sounding argument that you are faced with every single day as you walk, walk as a Christian. Here it is. We're looking at Eve, and we're going, oh, please don't do it. This is like a suspense movie. You know the music's playing. She's like, oh. You know, like, no. It's happening. Don't do it. You're screaming at the TV or whatever it is. Your book. Don't do it, Eve. Don't do it. But Eve can't see it, can she? She can't see it. She's deceived by the fine-sending argument. It wasn't that she wasn't uninformed, but she became misinformed. She knew exactly what God's word said, but she became misinformed. And here's why the argument worked on Eve and why it works on those of us who might not be uninformed, but misinformed. Verse 6, when the woman saw, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable to gain wisdom, she took, some and ate it. She stopped going by what God said, and she started going by what she saw. When you start going by what you see, get ready. What is, the, what is advertising about? To suck you in. I'm just telling you, it appeals to human nature. Some things we need, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But in general, it's about looking at someone, trying to pull them in to get them 
to, so you can give them what, what you, they, they really don't need. But <laughs> just, or they might need, you know. But it really is. She saw it. It was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable to gain wisdom. She took some she ate it. Notice she didn't keep it to herself. She shared some with her husband. And sin is never just isolated. It always involves someone else. It always affects someone else. But you see, the message of the false prophet appeals to the flesh. It appeals to the appetite. It appeals to your appetite. Church, you have an appetite. A fallen nature that is yet to be redeemed. You have appetites in you. It's good for food. It appeals to pleasure. It's pleasing to the eye. It appeals to the mind. It's desirable for gaining wisdom. And you see, this is how the false teachers get you. They, they appeal to your appetites. They make what they offer look good and make sense to you. And here's the thing. It contradicts what God said so clearly. So how can we do something that's so clearly that God says, do not do this, and then all of a sudden it turns around? When Jesus says, don't pray like the heathens do in vain repetitions, what do we do? We repeat the Lord's prayer like a vain repetition. How did that happen? substituted the spirit for the mantra. So you see, the way you and I will know counterfeit, how do you know what a counterfeit is? And this is important, church, we're done with this. How do you know what the real thing is? How do you know what a false thing is? It's by knowing what the real thing is. You become informed. And you know it inside and out. Left, right, up, down. All the little ways in which it can spend. You begin to study and you study the person of Jesus and you know him so well that when that evil spirit comes about, you know where it's leading you. When you see the Joel Olstein on TV telling you that the power is within, you know that he's appealing to something we all want. I want money. I want to be healthy. I want to be skinny. And I can do it if I would just tap into the inner I am. The mind of Christ in me will get me these things. Do you know that's what he's teaching? Throw away the books, burn them. It's false. It's shiny, it's pretty. When you've got a church that is all about hype, and there's nothing wrong with playing loud, beautiful music to the Lord and having a full band and lights, I don't, that's, that's not it. But then the preaching comes and there's no repentance, there's no Christ, there's no gospel. Look out. What are you going after? But I say you got a pastor doing that and, they, and they're preaching the Lord and the gospel and Christ and they're teaching the word and all those things. So however that looks, might not be verse by verse, but whatever it is, if they're bringing Jesus, they're really presenting Christ, praise the Lord, amen. But be careful of the shiny, pretty counterfeit. What's the difference? Are Mormons Christians? No, they are not. And they've got values that mimic and parrot Christian values. Do you know that, church? They're really great people and they have hard work ethic and all these types of things. I'm not mocking any of that. But they've got a different Jesus. A different Jesus, a different gospel. Their Jesus was created. Their Jesus is not the one that we believe in. It's a different Jesus. His brother is Lucifer. 
And you have to be married in the Mormon temple. And when you die, you will go have your own planet. And you will have eternal sex with your wife and populate those things. They don't tell you that in Mormon 101. It's a guy's Christian cult. It's weird. It's just off. But it's got all the trappings. And, and let me tell you, to moral people, it looks good. Doesn't it? And it's appealing. What's wrong with that? Satan will use it. Where's the gospel? Christ said, uh, Paul said, if I preach another gospel, if I or an angel for heaven to come down and preach another gospel, and let him be eternally damned. He says it twice. And what happened? An angel from heaven supposedly came down, Moroni, and, and handed out all the stuff to Joseph Smith. So I'm saying, be careful, church. It's all around us, and it's not packaged in, in Mormonism and all these things. It's just pack, it's packaged in, oh yeah, just a, a real light, lightheartedness towards the things that Jesus Christ died to save us from. Holiness hurts. It's a separation from the world. And when the world separates from us, so be it. But we're going to go permeate. We don't want to be conformed. Amen? Lord God, I'm thankful that I made it through two verses. And I ask, Lord, this morning that we as a church would not rally around... Um, position of, of, of a self-righteousness or anything like that, that we would stand before people and look how right we are because we've got the right thing and this nosy type of thing, Lord. But we would just, we would know you so fiercely and love you so fiercely and be so, um, so enamored with every word that comes out of your mouth, Lord, that when we see the false thing, it would break our hearts, Lord, and that we would long to reach people and convince people otherwise, that they would just know the sweetness of knowing you and the forgiveness and the joy of being in your presence and your love that overflows and all the Jesus that comes and, and refreshes our hearts every morning and cleanses us from the deepest sins that we have and knows us from our innermost being and loves us anyways, Lord, the cross of Christ and the blood of Jesus that washes us from all sin. We just want to praise you, Lord. We lift you up on high and we want people to know you. But Lord, we, we want to know you. Make us informed on you, Lord. Let, us be our, let it be our heart's desire to have that full richness of knowing you, not so that we would just have a bunch of knowledge, but just knowing you as life. And then that would translate into love for our brothers and sisters and possess us, Lord possess us as you desire to do. This is your church. We are your body and you are the head and we give you glory in the name and the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen.